Welcome to Career Tools. This week's guidance, following your boss to a new job. Part one, here we go. This cast answers these questions. What things do I need to consider when following my boss to a new job? What things do I need to do to make sure I'm successful following my boss to a new job? When should I not follow my boss to a new job? You know when you meet someone for the first time and you just click? Or sometimes it's just the opposite. You get a bad vibe from them. Well, I wish I could tell you you're super intuitive, but more likely, it's just DISC. Our communication styles play into our first impressions and make a big difference in how we work and communicate with others. Join us at one of our upcoming Effective Communicator Conferences, where we'll help you identify the different communication styles and teach you to tailor your behaviors to be more effective with everyone, not just those who you're naturally inclined to. Visit us at manager-tools.com forward slash training to register today. Okay, Wendy, it's common for professionals to follow their boss to a new role in many cases in many industries. It tends to happen more in service industries, but uh, it happens often with personal assistants, sometimes with more senior people who will take their number two, take one of the people they're mentoring, maybe an entire team if it was a team effort, although that's somewhat rare. But usually what happens is the more senior person gets a new job, they've been recruited for it, they've had a recruiter involved, and as either part of the package they ask if they can bring some people over, or more often the case is that uh, they ask for one person, or they know privately that they want to recruit one or two of their best people to come with them. Sometimes that's talked about in advance, before they go. Um, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's formal. You know, there's a written confirmation and so on. And sometimes it's just a handshake agreement. Hey, look, when I get over there, I'm going to want to bring you over. You know, I'll do the best I can. I think it's a really good opportunity for me, and I think. You and I work well together, blah, 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 blah. But if you're the person doing the following, even if your boss gets a big promotion, he goes from level five at one at the company you're at to level seven, let's say, at the new company, there are some dangers that we need to be aware of, and, and there's some things you can probably do to make yourself more successful in the transition. Exactly. So we've got seven points. Uh, Pay attention. Mandate visits. Your relationships matter. Your performance matters. Disagree, which is always controversial. Manage your career. And once, maybe twice, but not three times. Did I hear you say performance matters? Wow. Wow, we're breaking new ground here. Okay, so you said pay attention. That's pretty broad. What do you mean? So generally speaking, there is a gap between the senior person going to the new role and the more junior person. So in this case, the person we're talking to right now, so that your more senior colleague will go first and then there'll be a gap and then you'll go sometime after. Sometimes it's because there's an informal agreement between you and that person and they need some time to be in the company and work it and find the job for you and make a space and socialize the fact that you're the best person for that job and they need some time to do that convincing. Sometimes it's part of a formal agreement and the company doesn't want to be seen to be, you know, taking 
a lot of people from one of their competitors. And so there's a, there's a gap there. I think generally, if we had to weight those two options, wouldn't you agree that the informal agreement is much more likely? Yes, much more. Yeah, and it's generally much more likely that it's just going to be one person, the highest performer or the closest friend. Yeah, but you can't take for granted that you are actually going to go to the new company. We have a podcast called The Dangle, which is about people who are offered jobs and the company says when they offer the job, it's all right, we'll give you a pay rise in six months or we'll we'll promote you. You know, We can't recruit you at this level, but we'll promote you in six months. And six months rarely comes. And this is the same thing. If effectively, someone is saying to you, this is going to happen. This is what I'm trying to make happen. But you can't assume that that thing is going to happen because they can't give you that assurance, right? They can't say, unless they're starting their own company then, of course, they can take who they want. That's not what we're That's talking That's not really about, right? what... Yeah, exactly. Right. And they're going to get caught up in the politics of the new company, and sometimes that means they can't offer you what they've promised in the timeline that they've promised or to the, the job description or the salary, or maybe you can't go, go at all. And that means you have to be really paying attention to what happens in between that person leaving and you starting, potentially. If the communication suddenly reduces in frequency, so say they go to their new job and the first week you get an email every other day or a phone call, and then the next week it's like you get two, (laughs) and the week after that there's only one, and then the week after that there's none, that's an indication that perhaps they're not going to be able to give you what they promised and they don't want to tell you that. Yeah. Sometimes it's just that they're swept up. But it's something to be paying attention to and be sensitive to whether or not that's an indication of what's going to happen in the future. Yeah, I would also say something else relative to paying attention, which is keep in mind where your bread is buttered now. I've seen cases where people say, oh, yeah, my boss is getting a new job and we've been working together for years. And maybe what's happened is they've gotten promoted two or three or four times within the company you're at, and they have helped you get promoted after them to the next level. Now, there's probably already an internal reputation thing going there where people say, oh yeah, you know, she is helping him get promoted. She gets promoted and then helps him get promoted because he's really good and so on. And to tell you the truth, if that's happened, you should assume that some people think you're punching above your weight or that you're getting promoted based on your relationship, even if your performance is good. And what I think most bosses would say in that situation is they would probably say, yeah, look, maybe that's true, but you guys are missing the point. I'm not promoting him based on our relationship or solely on his performance. I'm promoting him based on his performance and his potential right? That's what promotions essentially can be about. So you may already have done this two or three times internally, but when you do it externally, it is an order of magnitude different. And what ends up happening is you've maybe been lulled into a situation where you think, hey, my relationship with her, you know, she's dragging me to the top. And and that absolutely happens. And if your boss is going to continually bet on your performance plus potential, you can't slack on the performance at all. My guess, if you did that internally, 
uh, you would sour the relationship very quickly because in order to po- promote somebody based on potential, or let's say that if it's only performance and potential that gets people promoted, having a, a larger share of your promotion be for potential rather than performance, that person is spending political capital to get you that promotion. So if it's already happened internal and then you're going external, you've been been lulled into a false sense of, okay, this is just sort of the same thing. And I happened to ha- got lucky and had a great boss who's a great mentor and a great developer of people. And she's been helping me enormously and so on. But you assume, therefore, it's going to happen. And so for the next three, four, five months, and it would not be unreasonable for it to be three or four or five months because they've got to move, they've got to get their family settled, they've got to build some relationships. It takes some time to build relationships and and build up enough political capital that, yes, I want to bring somebody over, particularly if there was never any suggestion in the process from the hiring company they're going to do it. And what ends up happening is you take your your eye off the ball on the company you're at. And there's a double whammy there. Because if, in fact, there's a perception that you've been being promoted on potential and not purely on performance, in other words, you are not hitting home runs all the time, and it was easy for your boss to say, obviously, you're going to promote Joe here because Joe's awesome, and everybody says, yeah, he is. If that's not the case, you know, there's an old saying, whom the gods would destroy, first they call promising. And what ends up happening is, not only does your performance suffer because you're already gone in a way, which we understand the the emotions of that. But in addition to your performance slacking off, now suddenly it appears that it really was your promotions were completely based on potential and probably now on relationship. In other words, your boss is gone and suddenly your performance stumbles a bit. Oh, that will be seen as your boss has been covering for you, You know, it's not been as good a move for all these promotions that you've gotten, even if it's just one or two, and you don't know whether or not it's going to happen. So you absolutely have to stick to the knitting. You have to stay close to your present role. Certainly stay in touch, but hopefully if you're following other career tools guidance, you're doing that anyway. So it's not a burden to stay in touch with your old boss who's now at the new company, but When we say pay attention, we mean not only to the signals you're getting from where your new boss or your old boss, you know, in the new company is, but also pay attention and make sure that you continue to hit doubles or triples or home runs where you are. Otherwise, you're in trouble where you are potentially very quickly because of that two-pronged effect, and you may damage your ability to move. If you drop your performance where you are, you're betting on being able to move and then you can't move. Getting that performance back oh, is yeah. just going to be so hard. Now you're tainted. Yeah, absolutely. And you're probably going to have to move anyway. So Yeah. Okay. Number two, mandate visits. Right. As you said, the timeline between uh, your boss starting and you moving is probably not less than three months. It's probably three, four five months. And so in that time, you want to be able to visit the company that your boss has gone to and visit your boss at least twice. The longer the period, the more times you want to be able to visit. And if your boss is saying things like, now's not a good time, or I'm worried about the impression that you visiting will give, or something like that, then you want to be sensitive to, is he trying to 
put me off? And is there any other indication that this thing isn't going to happen, right? right? So if the frequency of communication has gone down, and when you do have communication, it's very short and factual, and you've asked if you could, you know, you said, hey, I'm going to be in town, I'm going to be near you, should I come visit? And he says no, then you want to start worrying about the fact that this thing is going to happen. Yeah, and I would assume that part of this is is you you want to visit because if in fact you agree to go on an interviewing trip because you're going to have to be interviewed, you're essentially saying to your boss, "I'm coming." It would be very unusual for your boss to say, "Do you want to come over?" and for you to say, "Yeah, definitely," or you know, "Let's do an interview or whatever." And particularly if they've spent political capital on you before getting you promoted internally at the company you're still at, but he or she is not, they're going to assume, of course, you're going to want to. And if you're good and they interview you and make an offer and then you say no, that's not good. So you want the opportunity to learn things in advance of when it begins to appear that the process suggests that you're going to take the job if they offer it to you. And your boss probably has an outsized level of influence on that. So if he or she is bringing you over for an interview, it's likely, now don't count your chickens, let's put it this way, it's more likely that you'll be able to get an offer. And in your boss's mind, an offer is tantamount to you coming to work there. If you want out of that potential obligation, you better go in advance and find out what you need to find out and then determine whether or not you need to tell a white lie or say, gee, I didn't have a good feeling there or whatever you need to say to say, I'm not, I'm not sure this is right. Or if nothing else, maybe you're slightly less than 100% candid with your boss, but you're 100% candid with your spouse about what you and he or she want and what that means for your career. And it may be a case where it's okay to say, my boss helped me at the company I'm still at. I benefited from him or her dragging me along for one or two or three steps. And what's right for my boss may not be right for me. There's no guarantee that he may have got a great new job in a great new company. That doesn't mean that that's a great company for you. Anything's going to happen. Yeah. One of the things that happens in organizations is, let's assume there are 10 levels to an organization. The simple assumption is the difference between step one and two and two and three and three and four and four and five, all the way up to 10, every incremental step up the ladder is essentially the same weight, the same importance, the same standards, you know, jumping from one to the other. That is not true. In fact, it is safe to say that it's almost never true. It's a good proxy for it. It might be some levels might only be 10% different, but some levels are 100% different. Going from one to two, let's say, is only a, a weight of one. Going from seven to eight, maybe a weight of five or 10 or 15. In other words, it's a great deal harder. It means a great deal more. You know, if your boss has gotten to mid-level management, he or she may become an executive at the new company, which comes potentially with stock options and political action committees and all kinds of things. And they may be trying to bring you in at the highest level of that. And they're uh, right below that. And there may be tons of people at that level desperate for that promotion that gets them into the true executive ranks. It's different. And if you've just assumed that things like that are going to happen politically, it can be a lot more complicated than you think. 
So what should happen, though? You say, okay, I'm going to go. I, I want to go. I want to see the place in advance to help me make up my own mind and to get face-to-face with my boss, not email, not text message, not on the phone. But what should I do when I'm there? When you visit, you should expect that your boss introduces you to the key players who you would be working with if you followed him. And it could be informal, it could be come to lunch with my team or come to lunch with the top two people in my team, or it could be some kind of formal meeting where they have some potential problem and your boss introduces you as somebody who has expertise in in solving those kind of problems. An informal meeting is about building relationships and the beginning of your relationship with those other people in the team. And the second is demonstrating your abilities to the people who you might be working with, right? That, that's a really a really good sign because you get to show how good you are. And then when your boss says, hey, I want to bring this guy over, everyone's like, well, he was really good with that problem we had. Yeah, I'm with that. Yeah. I found that if a boss goes from A to B and now he's at B and then brings somebody in, an old friend, let's say, uh, from A and introduces him or her to their directs and maybe a couple of peers and say, I used to work with him at company A, or, you know, he used to work for me at company A. He was my best guy. There is an assumption among reasonably intelligent, politically savvy people that this is a soft introduction. You know, if it's been three or four months and your old boss now at company B is doing well, they'll perceive him or her to have the ability and the political capital to bring somebody over, to hire somebody for them for the team. And um, I'm sure we'll talk about it more. There will be some perception of you as a rival, but you can't assume that you're coming in at a level that is between your boss and his or her directs because of your prior relationship. In fact, on a scale of one to 10, if your boss is five and, and his directs are four, If you think you're coming in at 4.1 or 4.2 because of relationship, you'd be far better off thinking yourself of coming in at 3.5, particularly if your boss got a promotion when he or she moved. Because if you were a three at the old company and now your boss is a five at the new company, you're probably still a three and you're talking to fours. So it's better to be a little bit humble in those conversations and of course, you're right. Be be on your best behavior, and actually downplay your relationship with your old boss, and say, you know, we miss him. You're lucky. He's good. I'm thrilled for him. And if somebody says to you, "Hey, is there some thinking that maybe you could be coming over?" Oh, you'd say, "Gosh, that's not even on my radar." You cannot say anything to suggest, even if your boss is hinted that you let the cat out of the bag. And you can't even be coy about it and go, I don't know, we'll see. Because I don't know, we'll see means, oh yeah, but I can't say anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, Gosh, no, I'm just here. You know, I'm on a business trip. I'm at a conference. Or, you know what? Frankly, I missed him and our daughters share the same birthday or something like that. Don't make something up. Don't lie. But again, you have to avoid that discussion. All right, sorry, I interrupted. Took us on a tangent. That's okay. It was a good tangent. So if your boss does not introduce you around, then you should be worried because introducing you is the first steps to socializing you with the team that you will be joining them in due course. So 
uh, and socializing here means getting them used to the idea. Right. If your boss goes to lunch with you but doesn't introduce you, then it suggests that your relationship, that one between you, your boss, your former boss and you, is outside of the company that he's now working for. And if that relationship is outside of that company, then, you know, it's almost as if the door is closed of that company. Um, if he's separating you, then it's likely that it will stay that way. Yeah. And if you do have a private meeting in your boss's office, and let's say that it has walls and he or she closes the door, there will be whispers. It will be unlikely that your boss will have said nothing to everyone regarding who you are. But regardless of that, if you come out of a closed door meeting, or for that matter, you have glass walls and they can see you're meeting with somebody, but they don't know who it is. And then you say, yeah, we used to work together. Politically savvy people will assume something is, is coming. So you need to have the private meeting. And you also need to know how it's perceived in the minds of the people who may become your peers. Right, because people don't have meetings for no reason. Yeah, <laughs> they don't. They don't have reason uh, meetings with their friends. Yeah, just because they're friends, right? Meetings yeah. in companies happen for a reason, and so the most logical conclusion for anyone who sees you meeting with your boss is, yeah, who's that? They well, think, yeah, yeah. he th yeah. he thinks you can help somehow. Now, what does that somehow mean for me? And if your boss mentioned to somebody in passing, oh yeah, I got an old friend stopping by the office. And then comes out of the meeting and says, hey, I want to, I want you to meet my team. And then he says, yeah, we used to work together at Company A. Somebody's going to put two and two together. Okay, next. Your relationships matter. Now we're assuming that you have gone to the new company. And it is not enough to join that new company and be average. You, just, because you're, just, just because you got there, because your boss took you, maybe you didn't go through the, the same recruitment process that other people in the team did. And you think, well, you know, my boss already knows I'm a good guy. So, you know, it happens that this week is not a good week for me. So I'm just going to barely be in the office and he'll be fine with that because he was before. That's not going to work. Not going to work. <laughs> It's not your boss that you're trying to impress. It's everybody else. And that's the same as if you, when you got a job, a new job, anywhere. The first 90 days is about making relationships that will serve you through the rest of the time. You don't get to skip the relationship building piece just because you you'll have a strong relationship with your former boss, who is now your new boss. Uh, you need to build all of the same relationships that you would if you had come into that co company completely fresh. Because at some stage, you're going to need your relationship with that person in order to achieve something. You can't always use your boss's relationships to get things done. You can't always say, hey, I need something from team B. Will you talk to their, their manager who's on your level and get them to do it for me? Yeah. You run out of favors very quickly. <laughs> we need to do a cast on career goodwill. And folks, we're not going to get into a great deal of detail, but you should know that you have goodwill where you are. Uh, you've probably read, if you read the journal or other business periodicals, you know that there is a thing on balance sheets of companies called goodwill. Well, you have it in your career. And when you leave company A and go to company B, you lose it all. <laughs> and that's partly why you're compensated better because they're paying you for the pain and suffering of rebuilding your your goodwill but you don't have any goodwill at the new company and i've seen it happen before that 
the assumption of the following person, the following direct, is that their boss's goodwill somehow slops over to them. That is technically true, but very quickly eliminated if, in fact, you don't work hard, and I would argue a little bit humbly, to build your own relationships and your own goodwill. You've got to work hard. And and it's easy to miss it because you were working for him or her at the last place. You're working for him or her at the new place. Uh, You have a way of working. Although, by the way, your boss may have changed two or three of his procedures or processes because that's how the new company does it. And if you were to just walk into your boss's office and sit down and chat for 15 minutes, because you did it at the old place because you had massive goodwill built up, and then suddenly the new guys who are your peers go, hey, he just walks right in and plops down. I didn't know that he did that. I didn't. Um, Now you've got a target on your back, and the target will go away if you have great goodwill with other people besides your boss. But that assumption that somehow the relationship is what matters with your boss and the goodwill somehow transferred because you and your boss came over and that gives you an aura of of uh, effectiveness and maybe a little bit of invincibility, you'd be mistaken. Uh, you're starting over and just because you think your boss made it easy for you to make the transition, don't assume that it goes any further than the offer they're going to make you because you start over after that. And it occurs to me too that you can't stop working on your relationship with your boss either. It's not like that move that he helped you make is is Absolutely. the final crown. Agreed. You know? Yeah. And people don't want to be seen doing things for you because you have a relationship with your boss, right? You don't want people helping you or working with you or, or, or sharing things with you because the boss said, I should help you out because you're a good guy, right? Maybe once. But not even not even that, probably. At Company A, at the old place, you were person number one on the favor list. You were person number one on the relationship list. And you were person number one on the forgiveness list. You're now last. Right. <laughs> and other people at Company A would do you favors because you were close to the boss. Now, you should be doing favors for the other people because they're higher on the favor and relationship list than you are, at least in the beginning, in the minds of other people. Have you ever had a horrible boss? If you have, it is nowhere near the comedic adventure that the movie would lead you to believe it is. Having a bad boss feels less like a comedic farce and more like a horror movie. Register today at manager-tools.com forward slash training to join us for one of our effective manager conferences held internationally. We'll help you to not be the antagonist in your direct biography. That's all for this week. We'll be back next week with the second part of this cast. 